Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And today, we are talking about season one of The Witcher. I finally watched it. I'm so glad that you did. Well, I want to tell everyone that they're probably listening to this podcast because people linked by destiny will always find each other. And because season two is fresh off the boat. Yeah, and you're gorgeous, so that too. That smooth, melodic voice. Uh, so you just finished season one. What is your previous Witcher experience? Like, what is your info about the whole Witcher world in general? So I've played a lot of The Witcher 3. Yeah. But I've never read the books. I listened to the first one on audiobook a little bit. And then my file on Audible corrupted. And I lost my credit oh. when I was listening. I think the first book is called The Last Wish. Yeah, it is. I think so. Yeah, I got about an hour into it. And the file corrupted. And I lost everything. And so I just never really, I just got distracted with something else. And, and I really liked the game a lot. So I didn't know going in, is this a direct adaptation of the games? Is it a direct adaptation of the books? I had no real idea until right before recording this, actually. So I went in kind of blind. Okay. I knew who Geralt was. I knew who Yennefer was, Triss, Dandelion, who is Dandelion Jeskier? Yeah, it's Jeskier. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's who they're trying to represent. And what about you? What's your experience with the franchise? Uh, first, I played the game. My brother gave it to me and was like, you got to play this. The third one? The Wild Hunt? Yeah, the third one. Witcher 3. Yeah, it is so good. I'm doing another playthrough of it right now. Really? Were you like inspired? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I got to yeah. reach out. And I have a new Xbox, so it looks really, really smooth on there. Ooh. It looks way better on my new Xbox than it ever did on my PS4. Do you know when that game came out? Because it has seriously withstood the test of time. I played it like eight months ago. It was 2015, I think. So six years. Wow. And it looks great beautiful and plays so good it's probably my top three favorite games of all time it is a really beautiful game so i was really enthusiastic about watching this show this whole time it's been out but you know me i just i'm really bad at watching tv but i'm really happy i watched it me too because now we can talk about it so after playing the game i just wanted to witcher out hard so i read the last wish and then i read a couple of the short stories from the sword of destiny which are the first two witcher books So just to be totally clear, there's two beginning books that are all short stories, right? And that's The Last Wish and Sword of Destiny. And then the first book of the main narrative is Blood of Elves. I think so. Let's look it up. Is the first novel in the Witcher saga. Yep. Okay, cool. So I really should have read that one because, you know me, I like a big meaty chunk of a book. And the short stories were great. It just wasn't really my style because it was so short. And I wanted more of it. So maybe I should sink my teeth into the actual books. I think at some point we will. We do have our content schedule for the whole year kind of figured out. And unfortunately, the Witcher books are not on there. But we'll get to them eventually, for sure. Yeah. Because if anything, I'm I'm more motivated now to read the books. Because apparently, the show is not that faithful of an adaptation. But the general consensus, at least online from what I've read, seems to be it's a very good show, just not a very good adaptation. No, it loosely follows the first two short stories. And then by loosely, I mean that they add some stuff, remove some stuff. They just kind of take elements of those short stories and throw them in there, characters, that sort of thing. And apparently the games are not canon. According to Sapowski, I can't yeah. pronounce his last I th- name. I think it's Sapowski. Is it? According to the author, uh, Andrzej Sapowski, the games don't count. Like, it's just and the, all <laughs> the stuff in the games from, you know, The Witcher 1, 2, and 3 all are sequels. It all takes place after the events of mm. the books and uh, the show. 
So that's good to know because I kind of went into it not really knowing what the timeline was, just which is kind of a good sign for how entertaining of a show it really was. Because at first I was like, oh, all these locations and characters and stuff seem to be kind of moved around and not really in the right spot. But then I found out the games are not necessarily canon and I hadn't read the books. So, yeah, it's kind of a nice like excuse for someone making a adaptation to be like it's in an alternate universe or it's like not canon so that way they can just do whatever they want without making a bunch of people super mad (laughs) they do that a lot they did that with uh the wheel of time Mm -hmm. Uh, they did that with the new star trek movies oh yeah yeah Yeah, where they were like oh it's in a whole different which i loved by the way yeah they're awesome but uh yeah i don't know I, i i liked it quite a bit do you know that in the original books that the witchers are actually called hexers but the hexer is not as catchy. Oh, like the direct uh, Polish translation or something? Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. I don't know how much of it is based on Polish folklore and how much of it is based on just Western European folklore in general, or how much is borrowed maybe from African or Asian folklore. I'm not really sure to what extent any of it is reused or rehashed, but I mean, the the show definitely, um, I was a little disappointed with, you know, there, there's like monsters in the show, but like, not really. Right, they could have done way better. I think it was a budget problem. You think so? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they should have called the show Yennefer of Vengerberg, <laughs> personally. And Vengerberg's way cooler than uh, Rivia. Like, where is Rivia? No, I looked up a map. <laughs> Apparently, there's not a like a canonical real map either. Hmm. This Sapowski guy is a piece of work. <laughs> He's just like, I don't want a map. The games don't yeah. count. Video games aren't art. We're not making a map. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I looked up uh, Rivia. Couldn't find it, but I'm sure it's on a map somewhere. Somewhere. Yennefer was a really awesome character. Um, the actress that played her did a really kick-ass job because there was so so much to ask of somebody. You've got like this 90, 100-year-old witch who, you know, she's really empathetic. She's really smart. She's really powerful. She's really chaotic. And to mm-hmm. dump all of that onto a like a 20, early 20 somethings actress, Anya Shalatra is the name of the actress. And she just totally crushed it. What a what a lot to ask of somebody. And obviously, Henry Cavill as Geralt was awesome. You could tell through his performance how much he really enjoyed playing Geralt. He was like super relaxed, really into the part, understands Geralt. And he looks like him, too. It's like from the games. Um, I think that the girl from the games has a little bit more of like a Daniel Day Lewis thing. Yeah. Going okay. on. Did you notice that? Like a big <laughs> bulky like fantasy Batman Daniel Day Lewis kind of thing. <laughs> I was a little put off at first because I thought that he was playing it a little too loose. Hmm. Like not serious enough. Yeah. Just for, I mean, because in the games, Geralt is a lot older. Right. So he's he's so level headed, like nothing can shake Geralt in the games. He like grunts responds to most things. They're like, hey, how are you doing? He's like, Ugh. <laughs> right. But then, you know, as I kept watching the show, I kind of started to realize, oh, like this is taking place like quite some time ago. And maybe he is a, l- a little bit more loose about. Yeah, things. we're getting like a youthful Geralt. However, I think by the time he catches up to series timeline at the end of season one, um and also we're gonna have some spoilers spoilers in here so if you're listening to this wondering if you should watch the show first yes yes the answer is yes you should watch the show first we're like two years late on season one though yeah yeah so everyone's watched it already i'm the last person yeah you were uh but by the time he meets up with um and joins series timeline i believe he's around 100 was there anything about the show that you thought they could have done better or that you didn't really click with or anything like that um yeah you know by and large 
show was awesome. One thing I felt they could have explained, maybe giving me a little bit more information about, was Eratusa and the Brotherhood of the Wizards. I think it's what they're called. Totally. And Eratusa is like their place, I think. I just kind of didn't know. Like, it took me a while to figure out like why all of some of the initiates were turned into eels. Right. I think they were turned into eels because they were being used to like power Eratusa. Like they, their power wasn't great enough. So they just basically turned them into like batteries or something. I mean, that was totally lost on me too, honestly. Yeah. So I don't know. I was a little confused with that progression of the story, but she pretty quickly gets out of there and, and then doesn't really matter as much. It really did seem like they were skipping over things, which is a weird thing to say because I don't know. I'm not intimate with the source material, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what they're skipping over, but it felt like they were skipping over stuff. Like, um, there's that part where Yennefer is in the carriage with that woman, and she's like, I spent three decades in courts doing all this stuff. <laughs> and it's like, oh, 30 years went by? Like, all right, I guess 30 years went by. Um, and we were just talking about this with um, the Lycanius trilogy, right? Where we, there are a lot of time jumps, and it's cool that there are a lot of time jumps. I dig the structure, but... Maybe just like a little text box. 30 years later. Right. Like yeah. just give me a little context. It's like you you can break that fourth wall just a little bit sometimes, just so that I it's it all flows like a little nicer. And I would I wouldn't personally feel like my intelligence was being called into question if there was just those little text boxes. It just helps with the experience, but they did a really good job with it anyway. I mean, I was able to pick up on it. I was totally on board with everything that was happening around that I think it was episode three or four when like the hedgehog guy comes in <laughs> yeah and I, i'm not gonna remember everybody's dunny names. i think his name is dunny, dunny. Yeah, yeah dunny comes in and there's like the law of surprise and stuff like that and <laughs> that was when i was just sitting there like okay uh, something's up here okay. yeah okay ah this is definitely in the past and when i when that clicked i, I was like this is definitely really cool a really yeah. good idea there were quite a few moments where i i, I was just like what the hell is going on because the the way that the episodes start is very um different than a lot of other episodes of television that i've watched it's it's a little jarring because you know you're watching something like like breaking bad and you're for the most part like picking up like right where you left off from the end of the last episode right right? i mean maybe it's a little jump ahead but like not really but with these episodes you're in a completely different place it's like watching the, the first like five minutes of an episode of house it's like completely different characters than you've seen in the entire show and then the other main characters come in after like that initial kind of cold open um so it was a little bit jarring for sure to kind of have absolutely or just it was just a very different show than Mm -hmm. other ones i've watched admittedly i haven't watched a ton of tv spend most of my time reading books same did you understand the law of surprise thing and the the destiny through line and all of that that seemed to be that was like for me like the murkiest part about all of it. And what did you think about it? Yeah, I think and maybe I picked this up from the books, but I read them years ago, so I'm not really sure. But my understanding was that destiny is like the deepest magical force in the world. You know, like their magical force is 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 chaos, and their wizards and sorcerers control that by like controlling the chaos and channeling it, which is one of the reasons why Yennefer is so powerful because she's really emotional and so she's just like raw chaotic power but yeah so by doing the law of surprise and evoking that i think that like is the equivalent of a spell and so like destiny's like okay boom these two people tied together law of surprise activate that's kind of my take 
<laughs> it shook me. I'm not going to lie. I definitely, I, I don't honestly know how I feel about it. In one, on one hand, it seems very creative and is a good idea, especially if yeah. you think about it in the way that you just described, where it's kind of an aspect of a larger stream of magic, like the bedrock of their whole magic system. Totally on board with that. But it also feels a little lazy. It's kind of like prophecy or, you know, it's like, this stuff's on rails, so this is just... <laughs> and if you go against it, you it's know... It's fate, um, man. <laughs> it's kind of implied that Sintra was raised by Nilfgaard kind of because of destiny, right? right, right. Like, Kalinth hadn't uh, honored the law of surprise. I feel like that was very, very loosely implied. It was very loosely implied. It wasn't overtly stated that that was what was going on. And I like that it wasn't overtly stated, but it definitely... I was kind of just like, eh, like that's, I don't, I guess I just, I don't really like it in books or TV or movies or anything. I don't really, I've never been a fan of prophecy. I don't really like it when things are like kind of on rails like that. When it's like, it's the destiny. It's, it's going to happen it's, regardless. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, there's a bunch of consequences and it's like, okay, but then that kind of means that no one really has that much agency. Right. Right. So why am I watching this? Um, but that's me digging. That's the that's the deepest that I dug into yeah, it. It's like, why do I respect anyone if I know that they're basically on rails and being forced to do something? However, it was interesting that it was interesting and kind of funny that Kalenth immediately after getting taught the lesson of going against the law of surprise, then kicks Geralt out because right. he accidentally evokes it. And she's like, no, no, not two of these <laughs> <laughs> kicks him out. And then well, right. well what happens? She loses her whole town. Fate was like, not today, Queenie. Queen Kalenth was actually probably my favorite character of the whole show. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Like, really, really excellent queen. Because she is so dead set on Siri <laughs> and her daughter. And she is super badass, right? She's, like, in the thick of it, fighting. You know, mm -hmm. like, all of her banter and, like, reactions to things that, you know, people would be like... Uh, Nilfgaard's gonna be here and she's just like we'll deal with that yeah, we got bring this. it on Nilfgaard yeah, right? I know and it was just it was just like she kind of leads by example and even when um uh Hedgehog Man Dunny comes in to claim Pavetti she can't she tries to get everyone to basically kill him and then when no one does she grabs a sword herself and goes at it right like super super duper proactive yeah awesome character that scene in the first episode and it's it's kind of revisited in a very much later episode but when she kind of stands out the window mm -hmm. and looks at the whole at all of Sintra burning and then jumps and it's just so epic and the music is swelling and that was kind of when I was sold on the show me too I wonder if um the actor who plays Geralt what's his name again Henry Cavill I know his name so well because I have a huge crush on him dude he is Oof. a beautiful man he's probably oh, got the man. best butt chin in alive today i just want to play video games with him it's so like run your fingers through his hair like... <laughs> <laughs> i just want to hang out well i wonder if he carried around a sword because there's certain people like i can tell when someone is not a smoker on a show like they just the way they hold it the way that you know a smoker it's almost like a part of them you know that you can just tell how naturally they are with it unless that actor carries one around for a couple months before doing the role and kind of develops that intimacy and he he really carried around that sword like he had been yeah working that thing all his life i haven't seen the superman movies and i haven't i haven't really even read up on whether or not he's a good superman i assume he's fine at it i saw one of them um, it was all right but he 
I know it's so cliche, but he was born to play Geralt. Like he was so. Yeah. I can't think of anybody else who would have done as good of a job as him. Nope. It was really excellent. Yeah, he's got everything: the looks, the body, the the voice. You know, he's just. Ugh. Was that? Do you think that was like treated his voice? Do you think they did that post recording and filming and stuff, or do you oh, think? I don't that... know. I think he. I think he pulled it off. His voice is like so deep. Like I don't know if I yeah. can keep that up forever. He's like, got this rasp. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think he's got like and... a solid snake thing going on. When it was like. If it had been pushed even a little bit too far, even like a, a hair farther, it would have gone into like Christian Bale territory. Yeah, yeah. Where are the drugs? <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> I'm counting on it. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. I think I'd be a good Batman. I think you would too. Yeah, like half yeah, my face a, covered. Yeah, you have a really pretty lower half of your face, you know? Just like stop eating sugar for a couple months and <laughs> fit in that bat suit. Yeah, I love how no one could recognize Batman. It's like, dude, it's so clearly him. I bet that Rob Pattinson Batman movie is going to be great. I hope so. Yeah, I saw the trailer for it. Batman is awesome. one of my favorite superheroes, and Superman yeah. is one of my least favorite, which is why I've only watched one of them. That seems to be the general consensus. Yeah. Well, Superman and, is just lame. Well, and there's the thing, right, is we like heroes that can be defeated, that overcome. And Batman mm. is the best at that because he is, you and me, he's just so highly trained and has all the gadgets and gadgets and is basically a genius. And so he does it by, like, skill experience knowledge and money superman it's just everything was given to him you know he's got laser eyes he can see through walls he can fly he's super strong he can't bullets can't hit him he's just you know he's a one weakness and it's a rock from another planet <laughs> and i've heard Geralt of rivia compared to like you know he's, he's fantasy batman Right, which I don't yeah. really, I don't know though, because like obviously, I mean, one giant difference between Geralt and Batman is that Geralt is fine with totally murdering people. Yeah, right? totally I mean, murdering people. And I think that one of the really cool parts of the show that they stressed a couple times was that question of whether or not the training and the mutations that yes. go into making a Witcher are stripping them from those human emotions. And I'm in the camp of like, no, they absolutely don't. No. Right. I mean, Geralt is a very emotional person. Yeah, they're just right. battle hardened. Kudos to the writer, the author of these books for throwing that specific theme in there. Like what makes a monster, you know? Yeah. Like that's that's brilliant. Like that's a really, really good through line for the whole show. You know, and it applies to a bunch of other characters, too. And I like how it kind of subtly hints that Nilfgaard is kind of like socialistic tendencies or like, you know what I mean? Did you did you catch that? Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, like, yeah. um, they're 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 distributing wealth and like they want to they want to help everybody like um, Frangilla comes in and she's like, we're doing this all different. You know, we're going to strip it down and make it this good thing for everybody. It makes them super powerful. And it is very telling or at least interesting that the author is from Poland. Mm. Right. And I it's didn't like, think about that. Yeah. Right. right. And uh, maybe he had seen some of those philosophies implemented incorrectly or with not the right kind of uh, um, spirit or ingenuity behind it. Yeah, like more more of a spirit of greed as opposed to selflessness. And Right. Um, it wasn't an altruistic motive it like it was being advertised as. And I kind of, you know, drew those conclusions, uh, drew those similarities between Nilfgaard and maybe like the uh, the broken Soviet Union or something like that. Right. right. So, yeah, that was that was really interesting, too. And I don't know if that was Sapowski's like intent, but I mean, it's not that far of a leap right? no i think he's definitely drawing from what he knows i didn't think about that at the time while i was reading the books or watching it but now that you mention it i think that you're onto something um and sintra is very like anti-magic you know they had they don't even have a court 
um, wizard or sorceress, right? Totally. And Nilfgaard just accepts them, and then Fringilla goes over there and makes them very powerful, which that time leap was a little confusing for me because I think she spends like 20 years go by between when she goes to Nilfgaard and then they end up attacking Sintra. And Yennefer was supposed to go to Nilfgaard, but then she goes back to like some other place and is basically just bored and resentful there. That the part where the, with the gin? Yes, I think yeah, right before um, because Dandelion character, like what does he do to? I, I forget. He does something that interrupts Geralt's ability to make his wish. I don't remember. Like that part was really weird. He like steals the wish from him, basically. But not really because Geralt makes a wish. To, Geralt makes a wish for Jeskier to stop talking, and that's why Jeskier gets like that big. Oh, thing yeah. in his throat and then he has that one cut on his forearm too right and it's yeah. it's very very quickly shown that to the point that you would forget it that was a weird episode it was for weird. sure that wasn't one of my favorites uh my favorite episode was with full test and the striga which i think is i think that's like the first story in the first book right yeah in and you take out Wish. the striga very quickly in the game as well uh i liked that whole part a whole lot a lot of action Really, really good CGI. The Striga looked awesome. That was kind of the part where I was very much on board and wanted to watch every episode of this show. Right? Because some shows, like, I like it just enough, and it's fine. I, I I have started and not finished so many TV shows. Same. But that Striga episode sold me. Did you have a favorite episode? Oh, man. I hate to say the first just because of that fight scene, but, man, I really Are you going to say the first fight. just because of that fight scene? <laughs> yeah, dude. It's so good. You're just like, man, I'm a sucker for warfare and battle, and he just is so... And he, he does it with this air of certainty, too. He's so confident. You know, he just, like, takes them all out, throws a sword into one guy after, like, taking it from him. Just, ah, uh, it's so good. And then that girl, like, puts this knife to his throat, and she's like, got you now. And he's just like, disarmed. What? Own, your own knife at your own throat. And I was just like, this is a character I can get behind. I've, I'm into this. Did you have a least favorite episode? <sighs> Probably one of the episodes that was more all about Yennefer's magical training, like the el the, the eel scene, you know, like yeah. that episode somewhere in there. I just wasn't super into it. I didn't relate to any of those characters really well. It was interesting and it needed to happen. So we understood her and her motivations, but eh, it wasn't very entertaining in my mind. I think the one that I liked the least, which is surprising because I thought the episode started out like super strong, but it was the, the dragon one. Oh. I just didn't. I thought that was just kind of lame. Like, it yeah, was like just... traveling with him, and it's like the guy the whole time. Yeah. And like, I know this is so petty of me, but the dragon's mouth wasn't moving when it was talking. And I'm sure it was like a budget thing or a writing thing where they were like, it doesn't really need to or whatever. But they didn't commit to that dragon, right? Like, yeah, if you're going to go dragon, go dragon. Yeah. Let's go all the way dragon here. Yeah. But obviously, I don't know any of the lore for this show. Like, maybe that's exactly what dragons are. Maybe, right, in maybe the they lore... communicate telepathically or something. Right. And, I don't yeah. Know. I don't and it know was either. a little weird. And if we're going to be nitpicky, which, you know, <laughs> why start a podcast if you're not going to be nitpicky? But yeah. what is what is Yennefer doing with a sword and a knife, like taking on like five mercenaries at once? Yeah, like, I thought that I too. Mean, Isn't your thing magic? Did you go to the school of swords also? Right. I, didn't... <laughs> I noticed the same. And it's like, it's not like I'm saying Jennifer shouldn't be badass. She's a woman. Like it's not what it's like. She it's like she's a sorcerer. She, yeah, like have her have her do the blow shit up. Like, like oh, it's so expensive though. I know, right? 
she's just fighting right there with Geralt with swords, and it's like, no, that doesn't really make any sense at all. But yeah, uh, but it's silly to nitpick that kind of stuff because I'm sitting there also like, yeah, go, go, Yennefer, go, like. Kill them oh, all, you know, kill them all. While we're being nitpicky, I didn't see Geralt roll once in the show, and I rolled, like, every battle a million times <laughs> in the game. Because so. <laughs> you get that you're delicious right. little, um, like, invincible chunk, you know, while you're rolling. And if you time it right, you can just roll. I was just a roller, man. I went, like, uh, light armor, fast. Just yeah, I spam, I spam Quinn, like, all the time, like, the shield. <laughs> I, like, yeah. hardly ever use anything. I never use Igni or Axie or any. I just constantly use Quinn. Wow. Well, yeah, I just rolled all there, the time. You know, uh, <laughs> we can let's we, if we want to sidetrack just super quick and lose literally everyone listening. Uh, there is a really <laughs> funny perk in the Witcher video game where and it, you get it pretty early on from leveling up. But like if you eat food, you just regenerate health for 20 yeah. minutes, like regardless of what you eat. And I remember seeing that and I was Smash like, smash food, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Because the food system of regenerating health, uh, if you're playing on like one of the higher difficulties, it really does make for a really intense game. But then once you've leveled up a little bit and when you eat food, like you're just you're just good. You just always have health. I don't know. Well, I, I might edit that out. You just but... keep a couple candy bars in your pocket. You're good all the time. All the time. Like you eat an apple and now this giant, <laughs> this giant yeah, but... werewolf can't kill you. Do you... um? Do you think that they're going to bring in the Bloody Baron character? Because I was sad they didn't because he's my favorite, one of my favorite characters in the game. I don't know. I mean, so much is different. I mean, in in the game, um, isn't the Emperor of Nilfgaard Ciri's dad in the game? Yes. I Emperor think Amir? So? Yeah, Amir or something? I think so. I just played the beginning a little bit ago and I just got to um, Vizima or wherever they're at. Um, uh-huh. When he's talking to the Emperor of Nilfgaard, and it's yeah, Ciri's his daughter. So right, and he says to him on the quest, like, "Go get her." Yeah, and so the reason I bring that up when you're talking about the Bloody Baron thing is like, I have no idea what they're gonna do because, first of all, I don't know really that much at all about the source material to begin with, and if the games were gonna take that much liberty, and the show has already taken that much liberty, I just really have I don't know what to expect at all in the second mm-hmm. season. I was excited that they brought in Triss right at the end. So we meet the Triss yeah. character because um, I really liked her. And I think in the game, if you play your cards right, you can both hook up with Yennefer and Triss. And like so, eight and other people. He's just <laughs> like, that is the funny thing about this show that I, I'm glad that we that we finally got to before we start wrapping up here is yeah. <laughs> like, what a sexy show. Dude, very sexy show. We are in we are in the golden age of sexy television right now. <laughs> it's Dude, just so Woo. funny. Looking good, it's Geralt. Just... Man, Silver Fox. I know we're probably gonna edit this out, but even like even like Hunchback Yennefer is like <laughs> super like, I hit hot. It, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I like she's like riding that guy, and I was like, what? Okay, okay. <laughs> I see this like totally. Like all right, Eratusa. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know if it's like a result of it's probably a mix of a whole bunch of different things. But like, obviously, you had shows like like Rome and Game of Thrones and whatever else like uh, and and a mix with, you know, romance novels are the top right now. And they've been the oh, top yeah. seller for a really long time. So you start kind of like really meshing those together. And it's like and I know that um, even from the tiny bit of the book that I listened to. Like the first scene in the book, like a sex scene. I think so. Like kind of a sex scene or something. It's it's a <laughs> it's a sexy scene, right? 
and um, then the games you get pretty sexified pretty quick as well so it is just funny how like Geralt is just it it's like every time he interacts with a woman in this show i'm just like oh here we go Geralt. <laughs> oh no and it doesn't always happen but it's I, maybe it's dude. they'd love that strong silent type and that butt chin just woof. I don't I don't blame him, dude. I don't yeah, blame him. Right? He's, a, yeah. he's a handsome man. I wish I was the strong silent type, I but I run a yeah. I run a podcast. I'm not very strong either. I'm too goofy. I can't I can't be strong and silent. I wish I was mysterious. I'm not mysterious at all, you know. Nobody's a monolith, you know. Uh there's there's all kinds of different things that people are attracted to. I mean, like I think that uh like Geralt and Aragorn probably share a lot of the same uh, yeah. attractive qualities where I don't think it's necessarily that Geralt is quiet or mysterious even i think that he's level-headed right he's not yeah. like nothing's gonna shake Geralt. nothing's gonna shake aragorn and that's rock. the that's the attractive part about him is that you could rely on him Security. you know that's why that's why aragorn is like aragorn is so sweaty and hairy and like and greasy dirty. And yeah. he's so hot in that movie. Like Vigo Mortensen is so like his hair. He hasn't had a shower in months. And it's wild because if you watch Vigo Mortensen in other movies, like he's an attractive dude, but like oh, yeah. not even close, not even the same league as no. how he looks in Lord of the Rings. And I think that what bolsters how attractive like uh, men like Geralt or even like uh, women like Queen Calanth of Sintra, and it's just like this kind of like unshakable personhood you know mm -hmm. that nothing's gonna rile them up they're always gonna come out on top you can come to them with whatever and i think that it lends quite a bit to how sexy the show is kind of overall when you have these kinds of characters dotted through the cast i agree and then they smash yeah <laughs> well i agree right confidence is one of the most attractive traits yeah um yeah. you know it's right up there with humor and Geralt may not have the 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 humor side down but he certainly has the confidence i don't know the show made me laugh i mean i it guess did. it made me laugh in the sense i mean it's like you know when girls just like fuck <laughs> yeah and I, you know i looked on I, I looked online at some discussions and obviously some like hardcore fans of the witcher are just like that's not how you write a tv show you can't just say the word fuck and it's like i don't know i was sitting on my couch laughing i thought it was pretty good like, I thought it was and like what would you say in that situation? You just accidentally like surprised yourself with a child. You probably drop a expletive as well. Right. And I'd run away from a lot of these situations. Yeah, especially you know? if you lived his lifestyle, you know, like he's his whole job is depending on contracts from strangers, but he has a PR problem in that he becomes the butcher of Blaviken, and witchers aren't really accepted by people anyway. So now he's like a not popular well known for being a butcher witcher which is like a double neg and then uh unfortunately he's got dandelion to come on and just market the shit out of him with great great catchy songs one thing that i do want to kind of touch on real quick as far as things that i i hope get more attention in the second season which we will be doing an episode on the second season obviously of course the conjunction that they brought up a couple different times do you remember that conjunction no so there seemed to be a kind of nod at this idea that there were like two worlds or like dimensions or universes or something and they kind of slammed together and that's kind of resulted in all these monsters and the elves and oh and i could be way off here and not describing it the right way but and the reason maybe that you only remember it a little bit is that it wasn't super touched on very well and i hope that in the second season they go 
more in detail. And if they do go more into detail about that in the books, somebody please email us and let us know. Because if that's the case, I might have to move the books up the TBR because that's a really fantastic idea. What did you think about the end of the first season? The way that the whole thing wrapped up? One, I liked Nuclear Yennefer, where she just goes berserko and just mercs the whole army. I liked them introducing the Triss character. Um, I thought they did a pretty good job. I think they did the most effective job at bringing all of the different pieces together. Yes, it might have been a little convoluted, maybe even a little bit confusing of the storyline, the jumping around, but they very artfully wove all those timelines together at the end. And I think because, you know, Destiny has connected Ciri with Geralt and Geralt with Yennefer, um, even though Yennefer is currently kind of pissed off at him because she doesn't know if she actually loves him or if it's because of the wish that he made. I'm interested to see them all come together because they're going to make this little like dramatic family. So I really liked how they ended it. I thought they did a pretty good job. What did you think about the ending? Um, the last episode was probably I, it was the one I was kind of the most like 50 50 on. Like, I thought it was pretty well done. I like 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 you said. Jennifer going up on top of that cliff and just taking everybody out at once was really cool. I really, really enjoyed the, it seemed like Geralt was, it was showing Geralt as like a kid when he was kind of tripping in mm-hmm. that horse cart or whatever. I thought that was really interesting. And I hope that that gets- When his mom like sold him. Right. Like I hope that gets touched on and I'm sure it will like quite a bit more. What I didn't really like is that I feel like there's no real set goal like going into the next season, right? I mean, it yeah. seems like what they're, they're are they going to, it hasn't really been stated, right? Are they, are they going to try to get Siri back on the throne? Like, is that their mission? Are they trying to stop Nilfgaard from doing whatever it is Nilfgaard is doing? Are they trying to get Yennefer a baby? You know, like, right. I mean, like, there's like no what clearly is, defined antagonist or goal, really. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I just felt like the ending fell a little tiny bit flat for me because it's like the opposite of a cliffhanger like Mm -hmm. i just it was just maybe and maybe it was because they didn't know for sure whether or not they were going to get a second season or i don't know why anything um but it just seemed it seemed very like wrapped and like goodbye thanks for watching and that's not really the worst way to end a show because i did want more you know i wasn't sick of it by the end it was good enough that they didn't have to lean on the goal and your the audience is like wondering of whether or not they were able to are able to accomplish it but i feel what you're saying in that I have no idea what the next season is going to be about. Like, is it, we just going to be following the Witcher around as he t- trains Siri and does his Witcher thing fighting off monsters? I have no idea. I'm really, really excited to find out. They did a great job with the music, though. They really uh, did. Yeah, I know. I we were about to, to mention that at the beginning, but man, they killed the music. I think that's a good note to kind of wrap things up on. Yeah, the, the music was excellent. So much more memorable than the wheel of time i don't know i'm I'm not trying to turn this into a wheel of time bashing episode but i i just finished (laughs) like here's 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 what i'll leave everyone with the witcher was twice as good as the wheel of time and half as good as game of thrones okay fair fair i like that (laughs) and i'm sure a bunch of people would disagree with that but all right that's definitely going to wrap it up for us today chad thank you so much for talking me through this first season i know that you had watched it all before and I really appreciate you being here for me just finishing it. And we're going to watch the second season simultaneously. And I'm really excited to come back on here in a couple of weeks and go through all of that with you and all of you listening. I'm really glad that we did this. And you were like, I want to have a podcast about the first season because it forced me to remember 
watch some recaps and man, the music was just stuck and like toss a coin to my Witcher was stuck in my head all day today. And I'm really hyped for the next season. So thank you. Everybody, we really appreciate all of your time and attention. And if you would like to support Book Reviews Kill, the link to our Patreon is in the description on the episode. And we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Cheers. I know I threw you off there a little bit. I was like, I don't don't know what I'm supposed to say now. (laughs) (laughs) I took care of everything. You did. You killed it. You killed it.